get up Sunday morning and there's a, all kinds of stuff going on. Milk is being spilled. Dogs are pooping on the carpet. All kinds of stuff. You get everybody in the car and you get here. Let's get fired up for God. But it's just not there, right? That's not the way I feel anyway. But by the time I leave, hopefully, I'm more excited, more determined, more uplifted, more encouraged, and hopefully... That's going to be your experience. If it's not, there's nothing else I can do for you. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about transformation, being transformed into the image of Christ. And that sounds great, doesn't it? But how do you do that? I mean, how do you really get into the transformation where you're feeling like I'm really transformed? forming into this image. Sometimes we talk about it and you just flip on a light switch and you'll be transformed. Well, it doesn't work that way. But what does the image of Christ look like? I mean, that's a question. What does it look like? What am I supposed to be? What is it? Well, if it's something that we need to be transformed into being, then it's obviously something that we're not. Right? I'd like to say I am the living image of Christ. Amen. Would you throw me out here in a second? Have me hospitalized for a few months? What is it? What does it look like? But to reflect the image of Christ, we obviously need to change. If we're not something, we need to be transformed. Now the ball is in our court to change. It is possible. Look over in James chapter 1. I'm going to give some scripture to you. So you'll understand more of the process that I'm talking about. The process of change. Now over in James chapter 1. Verse 22. Hopefully everybody's got a Bible. You're looking on or you're on a phone. If you're not opening anything, you're not listening anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> but it says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now here's the process. You got to listen. I mean, you got to listen. But you got to do more than listening. You got to do something. And then by doing... There's going to be changing, and the changing is going to result in you being blessed. That's the process. Listening, doing, changing, and being blessed. Now, where are you on the spectrum of that? Are you a listener only? Are you a doer? Only a lot of people are religious, but they're not really listening to the Word of God. They do good things, but they're not really tied into the Word. Right. You can do that too. But here we have a, com a comparison between 
the spiritual and the physical, between the perfect law that brings freedom and a mirror. What's the relationship there? A spiritual reality is explained in comparison to something that's physical. Jesus did that a lot in the parables. Make a spiritual principle, bring it down to earth. Now we have a mirror. But first of all, what is the perfect law that brings freedom? What does that mean? When I think of law, I don't think of anything exciting. I don't know about you. It just sounds confining to me, restrictive. If I came up and said, hey, we got a bunch of new laws for the church, what would the first thing you'd think of? Oh, my gosh, man, that's all I need is another law. So you got law, and you got freedom, and it seems like a contradiction. But with this law, leads to freedom. It's instructive. It tells you where to go, how to do it, how to stay on the road. And if you stay with that, you're going to be blessed. You'll be free from sin. Free from negative and critical perspectives. Free from a ball and chain existence. You know how we just burn with life. Sometimes our, our, our lives are full, full of burden because we've had so much sin that's never really been resolved, never been dealt with. Never really full repentance. So we have the Bible. We've got to decide what are we going to do with this perfect law. What are you going to do with it is the real question. Let's talk about this comparison with a mirror. It shows not only does the law give us instruction, but it's also reflective. It shows you where to go by showing you who you are. Now, I don't know what to do spiritually. Look in the mirror. You'll see it. The journey ahead looks back to you. Sometimes we think of the journey ahead, but now it's looking back. The journey's right here. It's right inside. It's what needs to change. That's my journey. That's what I'm fighting. But here we got to respond the right way, and that's where James really puts the challenge. Are you going to just stand there and listen? Are you going to stand there and look, or are you going to do something about it? Now, you know, a mirror, we go to a mirror. Why? We go to a mirror to change, right? right. I've never gone to a mirror and gone, Can't get any better than that. There's always something to change. Sisters, have you ever gone in this bathroom and not looked in the mirror? No. We look in the mirror. We love mirrors. We are obsessed with looking at ourselves. Think about it. We're obsessed. You know why? Because we're obsessed with not being ugly. We don't want to be ugly. We want to do whatever we got, make it the best it can be. Heaven help us if we're ever labeled ugly. We lie to ourselves about it. We lie to one another. How do I look? Oh, you look great. 
We lie to our kids. We lie to our kids. My mom used to lie to me. I come home, mommy, mommy, the kids are making fun of me at school because they say that I'm ugly. She said, you're not ugly, they're ugly, and they're ugly inside. So for years, I thought I was the best looking kid in school. Everybody else is ugly and ugly inside. Finally, I realized, no. No. I am the ugly kid. It finally, it just dawned on me. It hasn't gotten any better. But, you know, if you admit it early, it's a lot easier. You know, I wish my parents, first time it happened, my parents just said, okay, son, call you ugly at school. Let's sit down and have a talk. Yeah. You know we love you. We're behind you. Be there all your life. But you are dog tick ugly. I mean, you know, just let me know right then that the criticism was legitimate. There's no sense in pouting about it. Just get over it. We fear that. We fear Anyone calls our kids ugly? Oh, man, don't call my kid ugly. I saw a kid one time, and, you know, you don't ever want to call a baby ugly, but come on. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Someone showed me their baby looked like the Michelin man. You know the tire guy? <laughs> Isn't he beautiful? Yeah, if you want to go off-roading. I mean, you know, I mean, it, 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 it just, I don't know what to say. I'm just trying to be honest up here. And then you got the couple who blamed each other because they had ugly kids. Well, if you marry someone ugly, there's a good chance you're going to have an ugly kid, all right? So you just get used to it. Now, if you're both beautiful and you have an ugly kid, then you got to look in the family album. And if you look at the family album, you will see somebody sitting on a porch somewhere <laughs> looking like this, and that where the ugly gene came from. Everybody has an ugly gene in their family. That thing will pop up, and you don't know when it's going to pop up. I mean, it'll just it'll be two beautiful people, and all of a sudden, what happened to that kid? You know, it just, that's the ugly side of having to look in the mirror. You know, and Kathy tries to personalize my beauty. You know, because sometimes I get insecure. I say, honey, come on, tell me, am I handsome? She said, you're handsome to me. And anytime somebody says, you're handsome to me, that means you're ugly to everybody else. <laughs> you cannot personalize beauty. Well, it's not right to call people ugly, but I know they can be beautiful in the inside. But let's not compromise the outside. Let's just call it what it is and work on the inside. You see what I'm saying? You see, everybody comes to a mirror to change something, to work on that ugliness. It's why we look. And it needs to be the same way with God's word. This is the point. We come to the word of God to see how we're doing spiritually, to look for the weaknesses. To work on the ugliness.
This is not just a museum piece. This is a living, active word from God. He has spoken, and he is speaking to every one of us. It is relevant to our lives. Not just something you acquaint yourself with from time to time. It's something that changes lives. Was intended to say something relevant every time it was opened. God wants us to be blessed. He knows we need to change. He knows we need to work on these sins. We know He knows we need to work on our marriages and our parenting and all that stuff. He wants us to be blessed, but the question is, are you listening? Or as you're listening, you're just looking and walking away like the guy who looks in the mirror. And you know, sometimes at church, you can tell who looked in the mirror before they came, right? Sometimes with the kids. It's so funny. The kids come in, okay, you know, their hair is all out of place. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't look in the mirror. And then some kids come in, they're just perfect. You know, the mirror was, was their mother. That was their mirror. Are you listening? Now, why would someone just sit there and listen to how to achieve spiritual blessings and not do something? Why would someone do that? Well, they're being lied to. They're being deceived. Someone told them they're doing okay. You're all right with God. Don't worry about it. Don't let the judgment come in. We don't want to hear any of that. It's all got to be good. Right. You know, I have two mirrors in my house. Not just two, but two that I use. One of them, the lighting is just right on it. And when I flex, <laughs> I mean, there are cuts. And, I mean, Arnold would really be impressed. I mean... I, I love that mirror. But there's another mirror. As I go out into the bedroom, it makes my arm look like an avalanche hit it or something. I mean, what the heck? I don't like that mirror. I don't like that mirror. I'm going to put a blanket over there or something. Why? Because it doesn't tell me what I want to see. What I want to see is, wow, everything's great with God. No problem. No sin. Jesus died for me. Everything's okay. And God's saying, it's not okay. It's not okay. There are things that you need to work on and look at that are blocking your relationship with me. He's trying to show us the positive. That mirror is there, but that's not the only mirror I have in my house. Which one do I need the most? If I want to have a massive arm, beyond the massive arm I have now, I mean really massive, What mirror am I going to look at the most and need the most? Not the one that makes me look like I'm already there. I need the one that shows me I got work to do. And when I look in the mirror of God from that perspective, the perfect law of liberty, that's okay because I want to work on those things for God. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to act like. I want to think like. I want to have his moral character. I want to have his integrity. 
I want to have his courage and his confidence. That's the image that I want. But if I'm going to listen to a bunch of lies or people telling me in the religious world that I'm okay, all I have to do is look up in heaven and say, hey, come on in and not change, then I'm being lied to. And not only is that person who's lying to me responsible, but I'm responsible for not loving the truth enough to find out what God says. Is that too harsh? Okay, good, I'll get harsher. Being lied to, being deceived. Prideful. Already perfect. Or we just love our sin. You know, we don't want to change because we just love sin. And sin is something you can fall in love with. It can be quite, quite satisfying at times. At times, but it's going to catch up. Some men's sins reach the place of judgment ahead of them, and some men's sins trail behind them. But they're going to catch up one way or the other, and they're going to ruin your life if you love them. Look over in John 3 for just a moment. John chapter 3, you got a great passage. John 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light that, so that it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. The judgment's come, you see. The light is shining. And how we respond to that light determines where we are spiritually. Now, the light's going to shine. When the light shines and the verdict comes, it's not always going to land on your greatness. In fact, it rarely does for me. Well, there's no greatness there, but there's nothing for it to land on. But the point is, where's the light going to shine? Where does it need to shine? It needs to shine in on your weaknesses, right? All of our weaknesses. It needs to shine so we know what to work on, what to prepare for. So anyway, when the mirror doesn't give me what I like, then I don't like the mirror. It's just a reflection marred by delusion, Vanity, the mirror that I like, or it's going to be a reflection which shows what needs to change. It's not the mirror's problem. People say, well, this is too complicated. I can't figure it out. It's all a matter of interpretation, and they just basically give up. Where the Bible's saying, hey, you need to stay in there. You need to hang in there. You need to understand it. You need to work on it. You need to search for truth. You've got to love truth enough to continue in it. That's a truth-hating move. When you stand before the mirror of God and he shows you what you need to do and you go, ah, nah. You're just ignoring God. You're lying to yourself. Why have a Bible? Why go to church? Why read it if you're not going to change? It has no meaning at all. 
It's an insult. Like the wife who asked her husband, does this dress make me look fat? He says, no, but those dozen donuts you ate do. It's so natural to blame shift. You know what I'm saying? It's so natural to blame shift and want to look other places. God is trying to get us out of the darkness, out of the burden of sin, and out of our weaknesses so they can be turned into strength. One more scripture will be done. 2 Corinthians 12. You know, Paul went through a lot in his life, the Apostle Paul. He was flogged, stoned, shipwrecked. Anything else, Jack? What was it? Beaten with rods. Bitten. Oh, by a snake. Got a boy, Tim. Knows his Bible. He went through a lot. And when you go through a lot, don't you kind of want to go, that's enough? You get that, that's enough feeling. Oh, you want to be a disciple, but that's enough. And you want to tell God when you've learned your lesson. Like when you're a kid. All right, Mom, I've been in here an hour in my room. I've learned my lesson. And Mom would say, no, you'll learn your lesson when I tell you you've learned it. My dad was the worst one. He never gave in. Never, ever, ever gave in. He's a great dad, though. Second Corinthians 12. Paul went through a lot. And God took him to the third heaven. You can read about that yourself. We don't have time. And he saw a lot of things that were all, you know, inexpressible. They're just so deep, you couldn't even express them. And so what's the tendency, if someone does that, the tendency is for them to be a little prideful, wouldn't you say? I mean, if God took you to the third heaven, wouldn't your face kind of shine coming to church? Hey, guess where I've been. Yeah, yeah, third heaven. Not the second heaven, the third one, all the way to the top. Me and God just there talking. You'd be want to be prideful. So what happens? Look, latter part of verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. We don't know what that thorn was, really. To torment me. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away. I don't want to put down Paul, but he's kind of whining, isn't he? Wouldn't you say that? Take it away. Take it away. It's enough. Take it away. I've had enough. I've learned my lesson. Okay, I get a little conceited. Relax with the discipline. Chill out. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now. Doesn't that make you want to look in the mirror a little longer? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where the power is. I've been looking in the mirror and feeling the light and backing away and going back to my power sources of the world. But the power is in there. It's in the mirror. I can see it. It's my weakness. 
I am a whiner. You got to be able to stand there with courage and look at that weakness and seeing what God can do with it. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's almost a contradiction, but that's where the power is. And those of us that have been disciples for a period of time can testify to the fact that it works. God can take a weakness of yours and turn it into a strength. He can take your pride and turn it into humility. He can take your weak leadership in the home and make it powerful. And some of the husbands need to stand up and be that, be more powerful in the home. That's another sermon. I'll get to you guys later. But the point is, God can transform us. This is where the transformation begins, by being willing to get open about your weaknesses. You are ugly. It's okay. It's okay. And Paul finally says, you know, I had this whole thing wrong. I thought getting out of the problem was the answer rather than learning to endure in the problem like Jesus did and let God be transformed in me as I stand and I see my weaknesses and I stand and I understand and feel the strength of the weaknesses being transformed. It's all here. Wish I had more time. But it's a process. And a mirror can be your best friend or your worst enemy, depending how you want to look at it. Sometimes I hate a mirror. Sometimes I wish I never looked in it. Because sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. You just have to look at it day after day after day. Ugly, 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 ugly all week long. But with the mirror of God, what is ugly becomes beautiful, becomes transformed. You begin to see, wow, I am so thankful to see my weaknesses. Because now I have a power and the guidance and the perfect law to direct me that's going to bring me to freedom. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that it mirrors who we are and what we need to be. We just pray, Father, that you allow us to approach you with Humility, you'll help us to understand what that is so that we can stand in the mirror and look and not be afraid, stand on your grace, your mercy, the fact that you love us and you're showing us these things in order for us to be healed. We're thankful for that, Father. Please don't give up on us. Be patient with us. We're so thankful for that. We love you, worship you with all of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a good afternoon.